Girlfriends, episode number 37, He Says, She Says. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. So what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends, how are you doing? Welcome to another episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you've decided to spend another episode here with me, an hour of your time. It means a lot to me that you show up every week, and I'm glad that you're here. So... This week, what are we talking about? We're talking about communication between men and women because this is such a perennial topic. It's such a source of conflict and fights (laughs) between men and women inside of marriage and inside of relationships in general. Um, But before we get to that, I just want to touch base with you. Um, How are you doing? How are you doing with uh, your fitness goals that we talked about a couple of weeks ago? I kind of wanted to check in with you on that. I personally am getting a little bit more back on track. I think... I didn't really fall off track this summer. I really enjoyed a lot of uh, running, but I was very busy with regard to travel and lots of different kids' activities, so it was hard to fit it in. And now that we're in a school routine... I'm finding it's a lot easier to fit it in. I have to get up early and drive kids into the school. A lot of times I'm able to just run at the school and I get home and I've already got my workout in. It feels great. This is a great time of year to be falling back into routine. And I find that's really helpful if you're looking to get back on track with your fitness goals, with organization, with your eating habits, or whatever it is that you're feeling like you might need a little reset or a check-in. You know, uh, let me know how you're doing with those kinds of goals. And if you're finding this season of back to school and back to routines helpful or not helpful for that because I know there's the other side of it that things are extra busy and for sure they are whether you homeschool or send your kids to school there's sports that are starting up Um, we were busy this past weekend because it was my Danny's 10th birthday he turned 10 this is my baby you guys so my baby is double digits all my kids are double digits and for some reason that really feels weird I don't know. I've just got a bunch of big kids now. And, um, you know, it's funny to have kids, like we had eight kids inside of, I guess it was 12 years. Yeah. So that's really packed in there. And it's kind of crazy to go through that stage of life and then have this space. The last decade, we, we haven't had another baby. And I mean, in a lot of ways, that's good. And it's it's a natural progression of our family life. But it's also challenging to adjust to that. And, you know, I've already shared with you all of my emotions about my my third going to college and leaving him in Florida and all all that we went through over this summer with regard to those changes. But I'm trying to focus on the positives about it, that, you know, with all of life's changes, every change, even ones that are really good, like getting married or, you know, getting a new job and, you know, new opportunities, that that their change, substantial change in our life is stressful. And it's hard and it's uncomfortable, even if it's for a good thing, even if it's something you really, really want. I think it's important to recognize that change is hard, but it's also helpful to focus on what the positives are, even if it feels negative in some ways. So I've been focusing on like I said, the fact that we're kind of in a routine, family life is a little quieter. I didn't realize until we started this school year and kids were back to school and back to work and whatnot, um, just how crazy daily living was here in this household this summer. I mean, I loved it, but it was nonstop action, motion, people in and out, feeding so many people, an unpredictable number of people, friends, whatever, all through the summer. And it's kind of nice to t- kind of take a breather from that. You know, like um, I- I've been getting back on track also with meal planning. And so last week I was very organized and I planned out my meals and I went shopping and I made the meals and I didn't end up making half of them because we had so many leftovers. I'm still making two 9 by 13 pans of pretty much everything I make, and my big boys aren't here to eat it. 
So, you know what? My grocery budget's going to be a little more comfortable these months, and I'm focusing on that. And I'm focusing on the fact that I'm able to plan a little bit, that life feels just a little bit more quiet, a little bit more predictable. Those are good things, and I'm, I'm just going to enjoy that. And it's funny because I was talking to a, a girlfriend about this um, at my parish this weekend after Mass, and she's in the stage where she has grandchildren now. And she said, yeah, enjoy that quieter stage, because <laughs> then when the grandkids come, and she's got some that are moving into her house, and uh she's like it's crazy all over again so you know what i'm just looking forward to that and uh whatever life brings i'm i'm trying to be positive about these kinds of life changes but we also started flag football and um we're starting to homeschool so um we've got a lot of coming and going and a lot of busyness anyway that's going to just uh keep us going in the coming months and keep us distracted so so far so good and my kids at school are doing great they're very happy and um focusing on that is keeping me happy too. But getting back to this week's topic, we're talking about, I'm going to share three different ways that I think men and women communicate differently. Now, I'm not an expert. I'm not a psychologist. Um, I do study communication uh, on a personal level because I find it fascinating and I find it really helpful. So most of what I'm going to share here today is based on my own personal experience, um, things I've learned probably the hard way and having to get hit over the head with them multiple times inside of my 22 years of marriage in particular, um, just ways that people communicate differently. And, and I'm going to speak in generalities here, but of course I know that people are individuals and not every man is like every other man, not every woman is like every other woman, but there are some trends, there are some themes in our means of communication, the ways in which we naturally communicate as men and as women that I think it's helpful to be aware of. And, um, you know, you will become the expert on the ins and outs of your own relationship with your husband or if you're dating with your boyfriend. Um, but, you know, the, accept the fact that you are the expert in that. But at the same time, I think it's helpful to look at the general trends and kind of examine and then accept and work around, make accommodations for the ways in which we communicate differently. So let's see, the first one that I want to talk about is the fact that we speak differently. Of course, we know this. I mean, we speak differently. We have different ways of communicating. Like women, of course. Now, see, I give a talk about this sometimes. And part of the talk is I'll ask, I have this kind of interactive software, which is cool to use. Um, actually, I'm hoping to do this in Phoenix coming up. I'm, I'm speaking at a marriage conference in Phoenix, October 1st, and I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but part of what I do in this presentation is I will ask the audience to get out their phones and text to a certain number, um, one word that they think describes, you know, the way that women communicate. And um, then it comes up live on the screen. It's really cool the way this works. Um, it makes a word cloud from people's different responses. And so the one word about the way that women communicate is um, emotional. That always comes up real big in the middle of the word cloud. And, um, you know, it's just true. We, we speak emotional language much more readily. We're in tune with our feelings. We communicate very comfortably about our feelings, very naturally about our feelings. It seems um, very natural for us to do. And it, it feels like we need to. It feels like we need to share how we're feeling about things, whereas men uh, don't tend to function in quite that same way inside of communication, especially about things that might involve their feelings. It doesn't come as naturally to them. It's much, much harder for them. They don't speak that language. And I think it's really helpful to think about it as a language. There's an emotional language that we women are gifted at using and understanding when other people speak it. And we have this this desire inside of ourselves to share on that emotional level that in a way that doesn't come readily, doesn't come naturally to most men. Um, you know, I remember one time in particular with my husband, Dan, where I became very aware of this was when uh, the two of us had gotten in a terrible argument. And I remember being surprised by him being upset with me. I can't even remember the details. Thankfully, it's probably really embarrassing, whatever they were. But where I was, I remember being surprised that he was upset with me. And I, I was confused by it and couldn't understand it. And we went for, I don't know, a whole day where we were um, communicating in this bad way. And he was angry and I wasn't sure why and whatever. And finally, when and you know how this goes, ladies. Finally, you can coax out of him what he's thinking, what he's feeling, what he's upset about. Because sometimes I feel like it's a real tug of war between me and Dan where I'm like, tell me how you're feeling. I'm trying to pull it out of him, but he's not ready to do that yet. Anyway, 
um, in this particular circumstance, he ended up sharing with me something I had said, just kind of inconsiderate, thoughtless, I had completely even forgotten I had said it, that really hurt his feelings, that really upset him. And gosh, I was really sorry. And I didn't, you know, I hadn't meant anything by it. And I apologized. And, you know, things were better from there. But I said to him after that, you know, we could have avoided this whole awful day of, you know, kind of arguing and being at odds with one another if you had just said that to me, like said that to me early on, like right after I said it, say, oh, wow, that that really hurts my feelings. Which, of course, is what I would do. I would immediately let him know in no uncertain terms if he hurt my feelings with something he said. And yet his response was hilarious, but it was completely honest and accurate. He just said, well, yeah, too bad I don't talk that way. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) too bad I don't do that. He was being completely honest and it's so true. He doesn't do that. And I think most men don't do that. They don't readily say, that hurts my feelings. I think maybe it feels like a weakness, Whereas we women are much more in tune with our weaknesses and our feelings in that way, and we're we're ready to own them, where a man feels more, perhaps he has to put up a front of toughness and, you know, be be the man who's in charge, and he, you know, the man in charge isn't going around crying about his feelings. But, of course, men have feelings. So, you know, men not being able to communicate as readily as we women do about their feelings, that is not to be mistaken with men not having feelings. I I find that this is a really important point to make something that I've experienced in my own relationships, but also, you know, through friends sharing about their communications with um, their husbands, and with the men in their lives, that it's important to recognize that, of course, men have feelings, they have feelings every bit as much as we do. And sometimes it's easy to dismiss their feelings, their, their sensitivities, because they don't readily talk about them. So, heck, if he's not going to tell me what he's thinking and feeling, well, I don't have to take that into account. Well, it's really important to to not be dismissive in that way, because um, that's very damaging to your relationship to assume that your man doesn't have feelings just because he's not readily talking about them in the same way that you do. So that's the first one that I wanted to share with you, the fact that we speak differently. Women speak in emotional language, and um, men don't do that as readily. They don't do it as easily. They don't have that skill. And um, that, you know, that's all part of God's design of differences between the sexes. And it's not something that we need to bemoan. It's something we need to be aware of and, um, you know, make accommodations for in our communications with one another. I find it's really helpful to keep that in mind. And, you know, ever since that day with that argument that I I just shared with you about where I I hurt Dan's feelings and he wasn't willing to let me know, I've tried to be more sensitive to that. And I think in ways that have been helpful, that if if he's upset, if he's angry, and I'm confused by it, that I kind of go back in my mind and at least accept the idea, maybe I said something that hurt him. And he's not, he's not ready to tell me about that yet. He's not ready to talk about that yet. And I know it's frustrating, ladies. I know, because we're like, just say it. (laughs) But you know what, we don't we don't need them getting frustrated with us with our natural inclinations. And we find that very upsetting and feeling rejection of who we are personally. So let's keep that in mind when we're talking to the men that we love that them not being able to speak about their emotions as readily and freely as we do. It's not it's not something wrong with them. It's part of who they are. And it's something we need to make accommodations for inside of our communication with them if we care about it. So All right, the second difference that I want to talk about between the way that um, men and women communicate is that we speak for different purposes. Now, this, of course, is related to the first one. Um, We have different ways of talking because we have different purposes. For men, get this, talking has a goal. It has a purpose. (laughs) They have an end goal. Like, I need to buy this hammer at the hardware store. I need to talk to the man behind the counter to tell him what I want. It has a goal. I I need to, you know, let my wife know X, Y, or Z about my schedule. I'm going to speak to her to let her know this. And it feels so cold and crazy to us sometimes for them to be so logical and straightforward about the way that they speak. Um, By the way, those are the words that come up in the men's men's word cloud for their means of communication, words that describe the way that men communicate are, are things like blunt, bold, aggressive, clear, logical, you know, the things that drive us nuts, ladies, (laughs) we want them to elaborate. They are very efficient in their communication. And so yes, of course, the opposite side of that in saying that we speak for different purposes is that women 
talking, it's it's the goal in itself sometimes. And yes, we're all different. Some women are much more talkative than others. And um, I understand that I'm speaking in generalities, of course. But, you know, for many women, talking is like shopping. It's recreational. It's what we do. We get together with our girlfriends. And what do we do? We talk. And that is our definition of a good time. Oh, yes, we have been entertained because we have been talking. And a lot of times, and this is the part that I know drives Dan crazy sometimes about me, is we talk to find out how we're feeling. <laughs> we don't, you know, a man has to process completely and recognize how he's feeling and recognize the need to communicate that and get himself to do it. And yet, um, he'll, you know, he'll want to go through that whole process without saying a word because he hasn't figured it out yet. Whereas a woman, very often, the talking is what helps us process it and sort it out. And we do it out loud. We do it with our girlfriends. Most effectively, we do it with our girlfriends. You know, the talking to find out how you're feeling or to release negative feelings, that works best with our girlfriends because guys don't get it because they're wired differently. They take it the wrong way. I know so many times in my relationship with Dan, I've been just wanting to vent about something. I'm talking something out because I don't even know how to handle it yet. I don't even know how I feel about it yet. And I'm just talking through it with him. And all of a sudden he'll get defensive he'll feel like I'm blaming him for, you know, whatever problem it is that I'm experiencing. And that is the furthest thing from my mind. I'm always surprised when that happens, that what are you talking about? Why are you defensive? I'm just trying to talk this out. And yet, you know, men are wired to fix things and find problems and then seek out their solutions and then accomplish them. So, you know, they're very action oriented, whereas, you know, we women being so in tune with our emotions and so readily speaking about our emotions, I think it, you know, talking is just part of the process. It's part of how we process how we're feeling. It's part of how we, we find eventually those solutions. But sometimes talking is the solution. You're just looking for a release of negative emotions, you're looking for, um, you know, a release of tension, stress, um, clarity about what's going on and how you might handle it, but you're not looking for a concrete solution. And I think this is what drives men crazy is when they don't understand that. You know, there's that hilarious video that went around YouTube a few years ago, but I think it's so accurate where it's a man and a woman talking and, and the woman's very upset and she has like a nail driven through the middle of her forehead. And she's trying to say to him, it's not about the nail. <laughs> and of course, that's all the man sees is this issue, this problem. Um, I need to address this. What are you nuts? You want to talk right now? You just, you know, you showed me this huge problem that you have, and I want to help you fix it. Um, so I think that's really accurate and really helpful for us to remember that. And it's important for us women to know that sometimes when we're just venting, our girlfriends get it. Like, they don't feel defensive. They don't feel offended or like we're blaming them for anything. Um, but to a man, when we're doing that, they they feel like we're complaining. And even more specifically and terribly, they feel like sometimes we're complaining about them. That And so men need to understand that inside of our relationships. And I think it's helpful to tell them that. Um, I really encourage women to have girlfriends for this purpose and to minimally try to use your spouse for this purpose. But of course, you know, your husband if you have a good marriage, it's going to be the person that you're closest to and the person that you're going to be looking to vent some of your feelings with sometimes. That's perfectly normal and natural. But so I think it's important to communicate about that, especially outside of a stressful situation or a, a conflict-laden communication that we we tell men in our lives that about this need that we have to vent sometimes. And I have done this where I, before I talk to Dan about a particular problem or whatever, I've had a stressful day and I just feel like I need to talk it through. Uh, I'll let him know before I dump on him. I'm not looking for a solution here. I just need to tell you about what's going on in my life and maybe hear myself kind of work it out. And uh, that doesn't always work perfectly, but I think it's kind of helpful to give them that heads up that like, you know, turn off that thing that is making you seek a problem and then find its solution. Just, I just need you to listen right now. And, um, you know, when I, when I ask you for advice or help or a solution, that's when you can jump in and save the day. But, um, men speak for solutions and women speak to make connections and to process information. So, you know, the talking is the solution sometimes, you know, that um, sometimes we just have this, this need to talk. And that's after we've talked, everything feels great. 
<laughs> you know, we feel like we've gotten it all out. We've let people know how we feel. We've clarified to ourselves how we feel about things and we just feel much better. So, um, you know, but so it's important to be communicating clearly with, with your husband if you're going to be communicating that way that really what your goal is is to event or release negative emotions, kind of process that information. And so the last point that I want to make about the differences between the sexes with regard to communication is kind of a combination of those first two. And it's just to note that we speak differently, especially when we have a problem, when there's something that we're kind of working on, working out. I've already referenced how men, when if they feel down or they have a stressor, they have a problem they need to work out, they're very unlikely to talk about it until they've reached a resolution of some sort, whether they've resolved to take a certain action or they've found a solution or whatever it is, they're very unlikely to talk through it, through that process. They kind of, and I think we've all experienced this, sometimes it makes me insane. But (laughs) this whole, like, I think you've probably heard this before in psychological talk where men retreat to their cave. Well, I think that's a very real thing inside of communication, especially inside of a long-term relationship. You'll notice this where um, if a man has an issue he's trying to work out, he's not going to tell you about it. He's not going to talk through his issues. He is going to retreat. He's going to get quiet. And you're going to say, what's the matter? What's going on? What's going on? What's the matter? What are you thinking about? And he's going to be like, nothing, nothing nothing, nothing. (laughs) And he's not lying. He has nothing to share yet. And um, this drives me nuts when Dan does this. And especially if it's about something inside of our relationship that I feel like he's working on, it drives me nuts. And I'm like, tell me what you're thinking. I can help you. I can talk us through it. I can address the problem, whatever it is. But he really just needs that time sometimes to, to go through his own interior process. And I think that's very common for men. And we women don't get it. Because as I've already said, when we have a problem, we talk and talk and talk and then hit repeat when we're done. This is really funny because it's something I've noted inside of my relationships with girlfriends. And you've probably noticed the same about yourself and your girlfriends. Um, When you have a problem or there's some issue that you're working out and you're talking about it, we really do repeat ourselves. (laughs) And not in a bad way. I think it's fine. It doesn't bother me. But sometimes I do notice that um, we're repeating ourselves, that we've talked all the way through, we haven't decided upon a solution or anything. And then we just kind of go back and talk about, oh, what that felt like, what I thought about then, what might be going on there, that kind of thing, where we do kind of hit that repeat button. And it's kind of a process that, um, you know, eventually must end. (laughs) But it's a process that can be very helpful and in an emotional way for women. But so, you know, we women, we own our feelings. And so in talking about how we differ, how we speak, how we communicate when we have a problem with men, I think the number one thing for us to remember when we're trying to communicate with men is don't tell him what to do. Don't tell him what to do. And I I think that this is something that we women do because we think we're trying to be helpful. We'll come up with solutions to a problem or something that he's experiencing and we'll tell him what to do. And that honestly is very often when a man is experiencing a conflict or a stressor in his life, the very last thing he wants is for you to tell him what to do. It emasculates him. It makes him feel like you're, you're, you're bossing him around and he's a little boy and you're, you're just telling him what to do when he needs to figure out what to do on his own. He needs to come to that realization and solution on his own. And then the flip side of that, though, with men communicating to women, in case any men out there are listening, <laughs> I know at least David is. <laughs> we love you, David. You're our male listener. Anyway, is um, when you're talking to a woman who's experiencing a problem, don't tell her how to feel. Don't tell her how to feel. You know, girls, if a guy tells you how to feel, how instantly infuriating that is. Or if somebody doesn't um, confirm or affirm your right to have a feeling um, or they're judging you for feeling a certain way, like, just don't be like that. Don't be sad about that. Don't be stressed about that. Don't be angry about that. Don't you tell me how to feel. I know how I feel and I have a right to feel it, you know? And, you know, of course, that's very true. 
you shouldn't tell somebody how to feel and you shouldn't tell them they don't have a right to feel certain ways. Um, so I think it's important to recognize kind of that dynamic between men and women where the last thing in the world a man wants when he's experiencing a conflict is for someone to tell him what to do. And the last thing in the world a woman wants when she's experiencing some kind of a conflict is for someone to tell her how to feel. That these are, you know, just viscerally offensive to us. <laughs> these, these, these words or these actions against us. So it's really helpful, I think, inside of our communication between the sexes, which is, you know, such a fascinating topic to me. I think it's really fascinating. I mean, I love thinking about the different temperaments and different personalities and how those come into play in our communications. But then, you know, just the ways that we're wired differently as men and as women. And, you know, the, the wonderful way that that is balancing inside of our relationships, the wonderful way that we kind of complement one another. But the flip side of that, that it can be such a source of misunderstanding, such a source of pain and conflict and unintentional wounding of one another. So the more we talk about these things and have a sense of humor about these things, because really, honestly, it's hilarious sometimes, <laughs> communication between the sexes. Trying to maintain that sense of humor, I think, is really helpful. But, I mean, talk with your husband about these differences. In a, you know, time when you're not experiencing a communication conflict, talk with him about the way that you prefer to communicate and, you know, talk about the, the things that you've noticed about the ways that he communicates. And, don't try to make him spill all of his feelings, but he, he might be willing to engage with you about that, you know, kind of um, preemptively dealing with conflicts that really can be very helpful in the heat of the moment. I certainly have experienced that in these first 22 years of marriage, and I'm sure I'm going to continue to learn more and be fascinated by the differences between us in the, the 22, hopefully plus years to come. Um, but I, I mean, I, I would love for you to share about how you experience these differences in communication communication between the sexes inside of your marriage, things that have worked, things that haven't worked. Oh, tell me about it. If something has totally blown up in your face, I would love to hear about it. So you can email me at danielle at daniellebean.com or you can go to daniellebean.com and click leave voice feedback and you can leave a voice message on SpeakPipe up to 90 seconds. Call more than once if you need more time than that. I'll be glad to put that together for you. Or you can connect with me on Voxer, Voxer voxer.com. You can check it out. Um, it's also in the Apple App Store. Just check out that app, which is a really easy way to kind of share voice messages with one another and an easy way for you to give me voice feedback on the podcast. Communicate with me. Tell me what you're feeling. Tell me what you're thinking. I would love to add your voice to a future podcast. Hey, girlfriends. Who are we talking to this week? It's time for an interview. So this week, I had a chance to meet up and talk with Roxanne Solonen, who is a pro-life warrior, a mom, a wife, an author, an author of books for grown-ups, but also some children's books as well. She was just a delight to talk with, and I know you're going to enjoy everything that she has to share. So take a listen. so happy to be welcoming a friend who is joining us here on Girlfriends today. Roxanne Solonen is here. Roxanne is a wife and a mom of five from Fargo, North Dakota. She's an award-winning children's author, freelance writer, and newspaper columnist. Also a Catholic radio host and speaker, Roxanne shares her reflections on faith and family at Peace Garden Passage and on CatholicMom.com. She is the writer of Ramona Trevino's spiritual memoir, Redeemed by Grace, A Catholic Woman's Journey to Planned Parenthood and Back. Hi, Roxanne. And welcome to Girlfriends. I'm so glad you're here with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, well, I'm thrilled that you were able to make the time for this. I've been following your work for years now. And most interesting is that that note in your bio that you were the writer um, for that spiritual memoir by Ramona Trevino about her journey to Planned Parenthood and back. Can you just give us a little background on that for people who might not be familiar with that work? Sure. Um, it kind of started back when I met Abby Johnson in, in the summer of 2011. She was here in Fargo speaking to pastors, and it was not long after her book Unplanned had come out. And I had just finished reading the book, and I ended up going to a talk that she gave to the public. I actually ended up sitting at her table. I didn't know that uh, it was going to be that way, but so it was kind of a thrill wow. 
to have a chance to actually sit with her and hear her story. And it just really captivated me. And the next day we ended up, she invited all of us there, whoever wanted to come, to come downtown to our state's only abortion facility and pray. And it was a very memorable experience. She um, prayed and addressed the uh, the escorts for the clinic um, right in front of us. And it was, uh, it was something that moved me and it, broadened my vision of the pro-life movement in terms of the workers too and and, and all who are involved and affected by abortion. Mm-hmm. Around that time, not long after that, I someone shared on Facebook about another worker from Planned Parenthood that ha, ha, was leaving. And of course I celebrated and was riveted again to to watch the video of Ramona Trevino's exit from a Planned Parenthood facility. Mm-hmm. It was a non-abortion facility. It was a contraception referral, an abortion referral. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I just was so joyful over that. And then at, in time, through a series of connections, was led um, to Lauren Musica, who was one of the key people in helping Ramona cross over. Um, she was helping Ramona find a writer for her book, and and I was recommended as, as one of the possibilities. And wow. so we formed a collaboration and to this day um, have, a, have a beautiful friendship as well as yeah. uh, having worked on this project together. Wow. Yeah, I was just thinking that that must have been an emotional experience, or, you know, her sharing her experience and you processing that into words for her, that that must have been a really connecting thing. Definitely. And and as I learned more about Ramona, I found we have a lot of things in common. And so it, it became very clear to me that I was equipped to write her story in first person. Um, you know, we'd go back and forth and, and uh, it, it was an interesting process. And Whenever we would interview, I would interview her to kind of get the next chapter, um, new insights would come and we would talk long, long over what we ended up putting in the book. There's just so much there. (laughs) But one of the things I want to share about Ramona is being a part of her story was just so beautiful because she has such a beautiful heart and such a a willingness to, to go wherever God is leading her and she is still that way. And it's, it's just, it's beautiful to be on the outside and watch God um, working in someone's soul. And so I was just privileged to be part of that. I love that you shared that because I think that's actually a really important point to make, especially for those of us who are involved in pro-life work of any kind that can be very divisive and conflict ridden to not demonize people on the other side that, you know, there was Ramona on the opposite side at one point where, you know, some of us would be tempted to make all kinds of assumptions about the kind of person she was and what, you know, her potential would be for for love and for growth and to um, come to know God in her life. And yet, it, it's so wrong to put those limitations on people. Absolutely. And of course, now I have her story and Abby's also in my heart. And so when I go downtown, to, I still pray downtown weekly as often as I can on the days that abortion happens here. And I, I, I have that in my sights. It is hard because a lot of the people who are the escorts and work for the, the clinic here seem very hardened. And it, it's very trying, but mm-hmm. we always have to remember that they're, they're all children of God. So Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, you know, I am not as involved in pro-life work as I was, you know, especially during my college years, but I just have such vivid memories of that, that you're right. Some of them do seem hardened, but one thing that always helped me was trying to remember, you know, they're motivated by something and most of them are not clinically insane people. They're motivated by something that they see as good and they're, they're seeking that good. And just because it's, you know, so, so misdirected, you know, this, that kind of like to open your heart to that idea that they're, they're misguided, but they're, they're seeking something that they believe is good. Yeah. I'm reading um, Peter, Peter Kreif's new newest book. I burned for your peace. It's kind of a commentary on um, St. Augustine's confessions. Mm -hmm. And just last night I got to a section where he talks about how, the only way we would be drawn into sin is by um, it looking good that right. Satan, you know, turns it into a lie <clears throat> so that we can be drawn into it. Otherwise, we wouldn't. So there's always a good aspect to sin, which is interesting to ponder. But it's so true if we think of our own lives. So right. they do believe they're doing something good. And, and I know that, you know, so it's always good to keep that in mind, but also that that it is a lie. You right. Know? 
So true. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is fascinating. We could talk about this the whole time, but yeah. but I want to get to our regular questions that I ask everyone who comes on Girlfriends, because this is your first time on Girlfriends. So, Roxanne, let's get to the first question. I sent you these ahead of time, so you've had a little time to think about it. What is a time that you'd like to share with us about, um, a time when you first ever really felt like you triumphed in your life? What's something that's on your heart about that? You know, the, the story that comes to mind is really more of a time when God triumphed and I just happened to recognize it, but it was <laughs> a time um, I'd had, had three children and I'd been really trying to break into the children's book market, which is no easy task. And I was starting to feel a little bit weary from this. And I just remember being in my minivan by myself one night um, and, and just praying to God, you know, we'd, we'd been kind of thinking about maybe adding a fourth child if it was God's will, but I wasn't sure. And I, and I kind of wanted to do this book thing. So mm-hmm. I just kind of put it out there for God and said, you know, um, I, I felt him I felt the question, I think it was my own question, if you had to choose one or the other, which would you choose? And ultimately, I I realized that a soul would be eternal, whereas a book, you know, is just something temporal. And so Mm -hmm. I, I, I asked God, you know, if it was his will that we would be blessed with a baby. And it was that same year of my pregnancy with my fourth child that um, I found out that I had, I got, I was offered a contract and then that same year was offered a second children's book contract. Oh my so gosh. Um, then the, when the birth of my fifth child happened, um, those books came out that year and, and it just, it was that moment of standing back and going, wow, God, you had both of these gifts in mind for me. And I was limiting my own self by asking and having to decide between the two. So just a beautiful moment of the breath of God and how much he loves us and wants to bless us. Wow. I love that. That's a beautiful story. And isn't it funny how we do tend to think of either or with regard to situations and choices in our life, but God doesn't think that way. It's not one or the other. He chooses both sometimes and then some. And it's funny because sometimes I condemn or kind of get upset with people because the culture seems so intent on doing the either or thing. And I'm always saying, how about both and and? But then when it comes to myself, (laughs) it's harder to recognize how I was doing the same thing. So we are very human and we are sinful creatures that just constantly need God. Right. And I think especially as as women and those of us who are moms, and especially during those years where we're having children, that it can be it can be difficult to think about doing anything else, you know, and of course, you, you need not do anything else. You know, that's enough of a creative process right there. Um, you know, gestating and birthing children and caring for the children you already have in your home. But something that I've discovered is that even in my own life and work where um you know, some of the busiest times in my life were when we were just having so many babies, like it's, you know, like every year and a half, we were having another baby. And yet, during those pregnancies, I have really fond memories of working on writing, and being hugely pregnant, and just, you know, staying up late at night and working on a particular project, and that I found it was such a beautifully creative time for me. I mean, not always. Sometimes you're just exhausted when you're pregnant and you're not going to be doing anything else. But um, I did find that was a really, a really creative time for me and really in a beautiful way that I think that that God really blesses us with that grace, that strength. When you think you can only do one thing at a time, sometimes you can do that and then some. And I think it's really just a matter of embracing where God puts you and the opportunities he places in your path. Yeah, I remember another um, mom friend said, you know, there'll be time for writing later and you can wait. But then I thought, well, I'm going to be really old if I wait till like my last one is in school. (laughs) You know, I think you probably understand as a fellow communicator that there is this this little tap that we have. and, And definitely we need to call on God to help us balance that out. And I did have to do that when our, when our kids were really young, the writing was limited, but did it give me life? Yes, it did. Mm -hmm. Did it help me be a better mother? It did because it was a part of who I was as a daughter of of God. Right. And you understand that it, it does fuel you and help bring a, a, a balance to your life. So absolutely. I completely agree with that. And, you know, I, I have, countless times counseled, you know, young starting out moms who also want to be writers and they're, they're trying to work out that balance. And oftentimes they'll, they'll connect with me. And I'm always happy to talk with people in that stage in their lives, because the the first thing I always want to tell women in that stage is that what your friend said was true. There always will be time for projects. You, you know, there, there's always time for that, but then also just being open to what God opens up in your life. And, you know, for me, that's worked out really beautifully that I've wound up having, 
work opportunities that I never sought out, never would have thought to seek out. And yet God put them in my path. And it's it's worked out in ways that have really blessed my family and kind of been a balance for me. So I think being open to that is is really the, the only thing any of us needs to hear. And, you know, especially in your young motherhood, that you're, you're feeling so conflicted that, and you're in, pulled in so many directions that there's kind of this feeling like I need to do all the things right now, that, mm-hmm. you know, God has a beautiful plan. And, and his timing is, is perfect. And, and his plan is perfect. And so to kind of recognize that and get that peace that you can find in just resting in, in, the, in God's plan and being open to what God's will might be for you, which might be to be an at-home mom and do nothing else, you know, yes. and that, I mean, the times in my life where that's what I did were, were beautiful and I don't regret them for a minute. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and the, and the fact that work has come my way in, in ways I never expected and has grown in ways that I never anticipated or actually even sought out, but that have worked out well for my family. It's so clear to me that this wasn't actually my plan. And really my job was to kind of be, um, you know, open to what God wanted to work in our lives. Yeah. If I have any regrets, it is, you know, looking back and just being content and knowing that what I was doing through being a mother was, you know, the greatest work of all and the right. most important. And I and I have come to that understanding. You know, we learn so much in hindsight. And I wish in some ways I could go back and just relish that the way I do mm-hmm. now, you know. Absolutely. But- we yeah. just learn as we go. <laughs> I know. I felt that way when, you know, my youngest babies were born. Then, and gosh, that's 10 years ago now. But that I, I felt like a much more seasoned mom at that point and thought, oh, my gosh, how dumb mm-hmm. was I? And I think we all kind of go through that evolution. And even if you can recognize it as a young mom, like, I'm stressing about this. I shouldn't be stressing about this. You're still stressing about that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really yeah. something you have to experience and kind of grow in on your own. That is the blessing of having a larger family. Um, definitely when, when my, my, my younger kids, you know, came into the picture, it, it was, I, I just appreciated the whole thing so much more. Absolutely. And, and, um, and I just, you know, if I hadn't had those later kids, I, I wouldn't have had that experience. So it, it is a profound blessing mm-hmm. to have that perspective and to still have a chance. It's almost like, I thought of it as like your second chance kids. <laughs> That's a good way to look at it. And I'm going to share that with a girlfriend of mine who recently found out she's pregnant in her 40s and is coming to terms with that in all the ways that you might expect. Um, yeah. I think that's a wonderful way to look at it and um, can be a blessing that you didn't anticipate, didn't ask for, and yet it can turn out to be a really beautiful thing in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, great. Let's move on from the triumph to a mistake. <laughs> Roxanne, can you tell us about a mistake you once made? It could be uh, professionally or personally. And what did you learn from that? Um, the time that stands out the most poignantly was when I was ready to be um, a newspaper columnist. I had worked in the newspaper business, but felt like I probably couldn't manage the newsroom, you know, as long as I had a large family. And it's just such, such an intense atmosphere, but I still felt called to be in that media. Mm-hmm. And um, so I had approached the local daily newspaper about doing a column and there was kind of some consideration back and forth. And I was trying to produce columns to share what my vision was to kind of share about the life of being a mother and just the, the richness of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was, after a while of the pondering, the editor at the time came back and gave me a really severe rejection that left me crumbled oh. <laughs> <on my> knees, <laughs> crying and just like, why, <laughs> just why would I feel this, you know, this yearning and then just to be so, you know, it, it was pretty brutal, but, yeah. um, I let, I let some time pass. And in that time, God really pruned me and prepared me and turned me into something I had not been, I wasn't prepared. I look back spiritually. I wasn't prepared mm-hmm. to go out and be public. You know, you really have to be strong in, in, in lots of different ways. And, um, then she actually was fired and I don't know, I was stirring spaghetti one, one day and I had the thought, Hey, there's a new editor, you know, maybe I can try this again. Yeah. It took a little bit of courage to do it all again, but it, then it happened really quickly and I was pulled on board and what a moment of triumph, you know, and just again, great. God's blessing. And also I'm not a very patient person and he definitely has had to teach me a lot of patience <laughs> <for> humility. <laughs> that is great. I love that because you know what? I think we all experience that, especially in our youth, whether it's with regard to, you know, work that you might be trying to do or anything that you're feeling this urge to do. I think there's truth in that, that, you know, you were feeling this urge to 
take on some writing project or a role with regard to writing um, for the public at large that you weren't yet prepared to do. And yet that urge you felt was real. It was a calling from God and just, you need a little more time before you could get there. Um, and I, I experienced something very similar. I, I, I'm so glad I don't have record of it. I think I sent the most embarrassing email in the world to Helen Alvare years ago, like basically saying, how do I, how do I do life? Like, how do I do what you do? I think you're awesome. You know, like (laughs) I just thought, I thought she was the best and I just wanted to like be involved in some kind of way, be a, you know, a contributing member of the media in some way inside of the church. And, you know, I look back on that and I just laugh and laugh and laugh. And uh, because I mean, how, how silly and embarrassing, like, of course she doesn't have, you know, I don't, honestly, I have no idea what kind of stupid question I might've asked her in that email, but it was like, I felt this urge, like I, I, I do feel this calling to be a part of this and it was real, but I wasn't prepared for it and I hadn't done my homework and I was just kind of like leaping into the fire kind of thing when, you know, God's, God takes a little more time preparing us for the things he wants us to do. It is an interesting journey and and there's lots of red faced moments along the way. (laughs) (laughs) I get humbler and humbler as I age. (laughs) And I also laugh a lot more because I think I I used to be so hilarious. And thank goodness there was no Facebook back then because there would be a record of my immaturity. (laughs) I agree. I totally agree with that. Our poor kids. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, great. Um, Let's see. We have time for another question before we do your lightning round. Let's see. Um, Yeah. Okay. Can you share with us some advice? What's the best advice you ever received, Roxanne? Who gave it to you and how do you try to use it in your life? Well, she's someone that I consider a spiritual mentor. Her name is Linda. And I don't remember exactly the context of the conversation, but she told me that everyone is going to disappoint me at some point. Every person on the earth, I could pretty much expect that they would disappoint me and I would disappoint others. Now, I know that seems kind of crazy, but I think what her point was that God won't disappoint. God will always Mm -hmm. be there for you. And I think now that I think about it, there was a friendship that was kind of fizzling out. And I was just kind of, there were a few friend relationships in my life that were kind of tenuous. And this was her way of pointing me to God and letting me know that we're going to disappoint other people, people even that we love, you know, Mm -hmm. our spouses, our children, our good friends will disappoint us at some point. And I don't know, but it's something that I've called to mind anytime I have been disappointed or disappointed others, just to recognize our humanity, but to realize that God will never disappoint us. He will always be the best for us. Yeah. So it seems like a negative, but in the end, it points us straight to our Heavenly Father, who, who is as steady as a rock and will always give us exactly what we need. Wow. Uh, I, that is really meaningful. I love that advice. It's it's so true, you know, that even inside of your best relationships, the people who are most precious to you on earth and that love you so much, they're going to disappoint you, you know, that you're you're going to feel that disappointment inside of your relationships and even with yourself sometimes that that is so real and grounding. And yet you're yeah. right. It, it turns us toward the positive, which is God himself, Jesus himself. Yeah. It's so helpful and, and, and our, our world is broken and so we're going to confront it over and over again. So <laughs> going to continue to be disappointed. <laughs> but, but keep looking up. <laughs> you can count on that. Well, you know, and that reminds me too of a conversation I had with one of my teenage daughters a, a few years back where our parish priest um, got transferred and she was so close and had such an attachment to him that she was beyond devastated and just couldn't get out of this funk about it. And I remember talking with her then like, well, Jesus isn't going anywhere, you know, <laughs> like yeah. that we do have that tendency to kind of put all of, our, all of our eggs in those human baskets, those human relationships, and those are always going to fail us. They're always going to disappoint us and hurt us. So um, yes. really the helpful. The attachments in our life. Life is all about a letting go, a letting go, a letting go, and, and becoming more and more attached to God each time we have to let go of something else, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah. true. Love that. Thank you, Linda, right? Her name is Linda? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Very <laughs> wise. Very wise. Okay. Well, Roxanne, the time has come for us to do your lightning round. I'm if, scared. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. I love it when people get nervous. <laughs> These are easy questions. It's just fun. It's kind of a fun way to um, ask some quick questions inside of 60 seconds and get to know you a little bit better. So, 
If you're ready, we will go here. This is Roxanne Solonin's Lightning Round on the Girlfriends podcast. Okay, Roxanne, what is something that we'll always find in your purse or bag? Um, oh dear. See, I'm such an internal processor. <laughs> no processing, just talking. Um, um, okay, well, my Magnificat oh, comes with me great. usually. Sometimes it's at home, but I forget it at church a lot too, so it's, it's a problem, but yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Love that. All right. In a rare moment alone, what guilty pleasure do you indulge in? This is funny because just last night I was reading a book and sometimes when I read, I like to eat, which probably isn't good, but sometimes it's a healthy, like pickles, pickles mm. is a huge one. But last night I, I have a jar, a candy jar, and it, it keeps my kids coming to visit me in my office. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, but I had some like, do you remember those fire sticks, like Jolly Rancher fire sticks? Oh, yeah. Sticks? Yeah. yeah. I had those little candies in there and I was kind of ignoring them, but all of a sudden I was like getting, I, I was just like eating lots of them. <laughs> Between pickles and cinnamon fire sticks. Uh, you be- you like an intense taste experience. I can tell. <laughs> well, that's it. That's 60 seconds. But I think we succeeded in learning something more about Roxanne Solonin on the lightning round. That is great. And you know what? You're a girl after my own heart. Pickles. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Like, my family thinks I'm insane. But, like, I would okay, just good. I would I just eat pickles. Way. And I'm not pregnant. Anyway, anyway yeah. I just I just made a salad for a, a, a neighborhood barbecue. And I, I threw in some pickles because, you know, you just need that. <laughs> I know, Yes, you do. And I'm always, like, buying different kinds. And, oh, my gosh, my, my local grocery store has these ones that are kind of locally made. And they're the horseradish. Oh, my gosh. Oh, they are to die for. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I I don't know if they get them in in North Dakota, but um, it's worth seeking out. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, if you like pickles, we'll we'll have a pickle sponsor for our next episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. Everyone's mouth is watering. Yes, it's time to go get some lunch and have some pickles with our lunch because that is the best. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Roxanne. You I, bet. I really oh, appreciate so you fun. sharing your heart here with us on Girlfriends. And, and thank you also for all the, all the work that you do and the openness that you have to where God's leading in your life. It's working out in beautiful ways that are really inspiring to all of us. Couldn't do it without God. But thank you so much, Danielle. Thanks for having me and spreading your message as well. Absolutely. God bless you. So for those of you who'd like to check out some of Roxanne's work, I'll have all of that linked up in the show notes at daniellebean.com and you can check it out for yourself. And now is the time in the podcast where I like to share a little bit of feedback. And you all know how I love voicemail feedback. I did get a little bit of that this week that I'm going to be sharing with you. I also got a new iTunes review from the great great, great and glorious Pat Gone on iTunes, who said that Girlfriends is all about rocking the feminine genius, which I love. So if you want to, like Pat Gone, thank you so much for that vote of confidence, Pat. And I'm going to have her as um, a author, speaker, writer, editor that I work with on Catechist Magazine, future guest here on the Girlfriends Podcast. So I'm looking forward to sharing some of her wisdom with you all here. But in the meantime, thank you so much for that iTunes review, Pat. It means a lot. And if you want to leave a review like Pat, it would mean a lot to me. Just leave a review wherever you listen. If you listen on iTunes, I'd love to get your review there. I'd love to make sure that you're subscribed there because that really helps with the ratings of the podcast and the rankings of the podcast on iTunes and helps get the word out to other people who might not have heard of Girlfriends and we'd love to have them as listeners. Um, If you listen on Stitcher, go ahead and review on there. If you listen just on your computer, leave a review on Facebook, you know, share the link on Facebook and let people know that you're listening and that you're enjoying what you're listening to, that it's helpful for you in whatever way that it might be in your life. And that will be enormously helpful to me in getting the word out about girlfriends. So thank you so much for that. And next up, a couple of lovely ladies left me some Voxer messages this week. First up on the Voxer messages is my friend, Melissa. Hey, Danielle, this is Melissa, and this is my very first Voxer usage, so I'm really sorry if I screw this up. Um, I was, ha, Danielle, I screwed it up. (laughs) I listened to your podcast um, this week, and I, about guilt, I, I don't, I don't know that this fits, but I found that I was, um, I, I'm so absent-minded when I'm home from work and I 
um, you know, I get busy with the kids. So I just started putting stuff in my phone, like take your vitamins. My kids have um, an iPad and a, a laptop from school. So at nine o'clock at night, I have a reminder, plug in electronics. So that's just one of my ways that I kind of help with guilt and just the little nitty gritty stuff that like, oh, I should be doing this and I should be doing that. And it sort of helps keep me organized and I don't have to necessarily have my calendar out at home. Thanks for all you do. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you, Melissa. And uh, first of all, I laughed out loud when I got your two different Voxer messages where you were messing it up because you were doing it for the first time. Thank you for giving that a try. And then you rocked it the second time around. For those who don't use Voxer, it actually is very simple. There's a little bit of a learning curve maybe with the walkie-talkie style of recording where if you have the app, um, there's a little button on your screen on your phone that you hold down. And um, the first few times I used it, I left some funny messages to some of my friends that were completely cut off and disjointed because I didn't realize it's like you're talking on a walkie-talkie and you have to hold that button down the whole time that you're talking or it will stop recording. So anyway, it looks like, Melissa, you figured that out. And I love your message. I love what you're talking about with regard to getting rid of the guilt by taking action and um, sending yourself reminders, whatever works. You know, part of what I talked about in last week's podcast about getting rid of the guilt was that taking that first small step in the right direction can just completely relieve of of guilt. Because part of what happens to us is we get paralyzed by the idea, I have so much, you know, it's overwhelming, the great big task of getting organized or, you know, getting my life in order or, or making fitness a priority or whatever it is, you know, I need to lose, like, 50 pounds when really you should focus on losing five pounds, you know, start small, set a small goal. And so what you're doing, Melissa, is great because it's very much those attainable goals and you're doing something concrete. You're sending yourself those reminders, which I think is very helpful. Um, You know, I have a pretty good memory and I always have, but I realize when my life gets busy, it goes out the window. Like, or if I get stressed, forget it. Like nothing stays in my brain. And that adds to your stress, I find. So, you know, the no brainer kind of stuff of sending yourself a reminder, just, you know, just in case I do it all the time for like picking kids up ever since that one fateful day, I left my daughter after volleyball practice in the dark all by herself in the cold. And I told her I would come pick her up, hung up the phone and completely forgot about it. Just went on with my life. Like, (laughs) because I was busy, because I was distracted, because I was stressed, because I was doing a 100 things and we all are. So um, very simple method of giving yourself those reminders. Figure out what works for you. One thing that I like to do that's very similar to what you do, Melissa, is um, sending myself reminders on my email. I use Inbox for Gmail. I use the Inbox app, which is really handy on my phone. I just like the way it's set up. It's very simple, very streamlined. And I use my Inbox as a to-do list. A lot of it is to do. It's work stuff that ends up in my inbox. Um, so it, that it's a to-do list in that way. But then I'll send myself, like, generally the night before. At the end of the day, I've got a number of different things I know I want to accomplish the next day. I'll kind of take a minute, go through what are all the things that I've got on my calendar for tomorrow? What are all the things that I need to do tomorrow? And I'll send myself a separate email for every one of them. And then I'll leave them unread in my inbox. And when I open up my inbox, which is my to-do, I'll see those unread messages with the subject line of, you know, picking up somebody, calling a doctor, making an appointment, all those little things that just add up and you know you need to get to and they just wear on you. So um, you can also set alarms, which is great, like Melissa does. Um, you know, so inside of your inbox one one note of caution <laughs> i did this right before our big vacation i had so many things on my mind for these reminders to set up in my inbox that it was getting overwhelming and one night i went through and i just did a bunch of them real quick cuz i had a ton of stuff on my mind i just you know sent message after message to myself and um you know various things that i needed to get done the next day and the next day, this is terrible. Um, this this man that I work with at Catholic Digest, who works for me, um, his name is Paul, and he's great, and he has a sense of humor because <laughs> that's a good thing. Because uh, I had sent like half those messages to him accidentally. He's just one of my frequent contacts, and it came up easily somehow. I hit the wrong tab to send these messages, and he was like what is this? And, you know, those things like, some of it was actually work related, but it wasn't something he needed to do. And there was no, there was no message. It was just, you know, a a command in the subject line. So he's getting this from his boss and like, what am I supposed to do? And one of them, this is so funny, was clean the bathrooms. (laughs) 
okay. <laughs> He's like, um, I think this is outside of my job description. Anyway, so, you know, be careful when you're doing that, that you're not actually sending a message to somebody um, that shouldn't be getting that message, <laughs> but send them to yourself if you're going to use that little trick. Okay, so also on Voxer this week, I heard from Anne-Marie. Thank you so much, Anne-Marie, for leaving me voicemail. You know that's my love language. Hi, Danielle. I just wanted to let you know that your quality of recording is great to me. I cannot tell that you are recording from a headset. I am not an expert in any way about audio recordings, but I think it sounds great. And I listened to a few other podcasts besides yours, and yours does not sound any less in quality compared to the others. So keep up the great work. I love listening to your podcasts. Thank you so much for that feedback, Anne-Marie. I appreciate it. It's a little vote of confidence as I continue to use my not-so-expensive little headset for recording these episodes. I'm trying to figure out exactly what my plan should be long-term, and it may involve investing in some better equipment, but for now, I'm glad the quality is good enough for you. It sounds good to me, but like I said, I'm not an expert in these things, and there's probably some audiophile out there who's cringing at the background noise or the static or the hum or whatever it is. And I apologize for that. But in the meantime, I hope I'm reaching you and you're getting my message loud and clear using my nice little Logitech headset. So thank you, ladies, for using Voxer. And if you would like to use Voxer to connect with me, you can download the app on your phone. Um, You can connect with me personally on Voxer through the link that I have in the show notes at daniellebean.com. And if you would like to support the Girlfriends podcast in a financial way, you can do so for a very small commitment at patreon.com forward slash girlfriends. You can go there and get all the details about patreon.com and how it works. It's great. I use this to support other podcasts that I enjoy listening to, and I want to just give the creators of it that kind of vote of confidence that is backed up by a couple of dollars for each for each podcast episode and you can pledge as little as a dollar per episode and it would mean the world to me it is the most encouraging thing in the world to me when people are willing to back the podcast in that way. So you can get the details about how to do that and the different kind of benefits that come with different levels of support at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash girlfriends. But most of all, I just want to thank you for your support. Thank you for your prayer support. Lots of you reach out to me on social media through email. Let me know that you're praying for me, that you're praying for the podcast, that you're praying for the people who listen to the podcast and the people who share their stories here. So thank you so much for that. And thank you just for your presence here. Your downloads and your subscriptions and your comments and your feedback all means the world to me. I'm so thrilled that you take some of your precious time each week and choose to spend it with me here at Girlfriends. So until next time, I hope you'll enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a Danielle Bean production. Know your worth. Find your joy.